Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So you got a busted wing. Broken wing. Definitely. What happened? Overuse. Overuse. Actually, I really don't know what causes it. Um, it could be overuse, the way I sleep, but I got, uh, it's funny, I got back from the Bahamas. I filmed with Cameron. Uh-huh. Kirk Connell, I got off the boat, and we had a grouper to fillet. I picked up a fillet knife, and I went to fillet a fish, and just had no strength in my thumb at all. I couldn't. I couldn't hold the knife really? to fillet. And I'm like, were you like shaking? No, I just my brain was telling it to do something and just wasn't doing it. It was really weird. And I thought, well, maybe it was just the way I was holding the throttle because it was a rough crossing back home and you know, my wrist was cocked up, you know, running the throttle the whole way. And I thought, well, maybe I just did something. And then I waited a couple of weeks and didn't get better and didn't get better. And my hands the muscles in my hands started atrophying. And I was like, Whoa. Come on. You must have been freaking out. Oh, I was. Oh, man. And then I'm in jiu-jitsu, and I'm like, I can't grab on to anybody. I'm like, oh, man, this is not good. And picking what? up a cast net, trying to pull the rope in. I'm like, so went and saw the hand surgeon. He said, yeah, you know, getting nerves, getting pinched in my elbow and getting pinched in my wrist. So, oh, it was, a, it was a pinched nerve. Yeah, they call it cubital tunnel in the elbow and carpal tunnel in the wrist. And then there's another spot over here that had released the ulnar nerve. So they just There's cut. more than one tunnel? Yeah. <laughs> Cubital tunnel, carpal Cubal? tunnel. Cubal? Cubital. Cubital. Is your okay. elbow. Yeah, it's the right. ulnar nerve. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm learning about anatomy in this show. <laughs> there you go. Now we, you know. We had Steve on <laughs> last week, Steve Doherty, and he's telling me about how he busted his spleen, like, stepping into a live well. Ooh. Twice. Ooh. Like, to the same tournament the next year, he did it again. Jeez. Yeah. And he was telling me, like, how he gets, like, a pain in his shoulder. Yep. And then. Deferred pain. Your, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So. Now, this isn't that bad. There was surgery last Thursday. Yeah. I'm probably off the water for, I don't know, three weeks to a month. Ugh. So, 
Yeah. yeah. Actually, I have a charter next week, but I'm going to have somebody make for me. So I just drive the boat and mm-hmm. back to filming in the Keys, like on the 14th. So, so you start on the 14th? Yeah. So t- two weeks away, two and a half weeks away, I'll be back to filming. And so season two. Season two. Nice. Season one was incredible. Thank you. I mean that. I'm not just saying because <laughs> just I was in it. <laughs> but it was. That one episode was awesome. That one episode. Did everyone see the Connected by Water episode? That one was incredible. Yeah, no, it turned out better than I hoped it, it, it would, and the feedback was good. So I'm excited for 2020. I was really amazed, and I'm still amazed to have been a part of it, um, not just because, you know, it's a TV show, which is cool, but the way you guys put it together was just Really, really amazing. Um, just like the post production of it, and just the, the the filming, and you know, and even being a part of it, and the, the way the guys, you know, handle everything. Um, it was just cradle to grave, phenomenal. You know. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we were so much, so many times you go on these fishing shows and you worry about the fish, and, uh-huh. we, and we talked about that. You know, I, I always say that it's not. A, it wasn't about the fish and. Show's really not about the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, it was about telling a story and you had a great story. So that was, I knew that was going to be easy to tell. You know, we just had to catch a couple fish in there and then just inter- yeah. intertwine that with everything that, that you do. And uh, it's an interesting story and, and intrigued me. So I knew that other people would be, you know, receptive to it as well and love it. Yeah. I guess that's part of the reason why, um, you know, we connected with it, I guess, for lack of a better term, so well. Is because this the whole con- theory of connected by water is a very similar thing, where it's more about what's behind the moment or what led up to that moment, and the people, and you know, just the attitude and the emotion that goes into everything. Um, you know, I think it's important because that's why you do it. Yeah. At yeah. the end of the day, you know, I mean, it's not just about hey, trophy, hey, trophy. You yeah. Know, it's about living that life and you know being in those moments and how they come come about. It's definitely not about the fish anymore. I mean, I I tell people that. I I think everybody's fishing evolves. I've talked about this before, where in the beginning it's all about holding a fish up and those pictures of the biggest fish and trying to capture the biggest fish, and then it gets it just evolves. You know, I think it's now it's more about the experiences, about the memories, it's about the anticipation, the preparation. You know, it's about the friendships and that you develop along the way and the places that you go. Unfortunately, for so many years doing this, that it, it was a job and didn't even have the time to enjoy it, you know. So I'm trying to do more of just taking the opportunity to really kind of, I'm at a great place, I'm with great people, and really not be so concerned about the production, but, you know, enjoy the moment, enjoy the, the time that I spend with people. You know, I'm surrounded with a great crew of producers and cameramen, and I've learned just let them do what they do best. Mm-hmm. I'll catch a couple fish and, you know, it all comes together and it comes together well. Yeah, that's great. You know, we've recently had that expansion here too at the studio where I've had, now I have some assistance here, some people helping and it's extremely valuable to be able to like let go. Yeah. Like, it's hard at first, you know, to be like, eh, eh, all right, you do that. Yeah. You, know, you like, definitely can't be a micromanager in, in this kind of, in this kind of business because it'll just drive yourself crazy. You know, yeah. it's amazing. I don't even see the finished product mm-hmm. until it airs. Right. You know, usually they'll send me a, they'll send me it, you know, as it goes to closed captioning, but I have no say in really what post-production looks like. And I like it that way. I'm just as excited to see it and just as shocked as, as you were to see the, the show. You mm-hmm. know, I, I didn't know the direction that they were going. And 
that's, you know, that's, it, it speaks volumes for colorblind media and what they do, but we've had a relationship for long enough that I know that I can trust them to put a high quality product out there. That's going to tell the story the way that I want it told. You know, we have a very common, common thought process and we, you know, we share similarities of what we think looks good. And so it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I, re- I remember when, um, <clears throat> not to go back to my episode again, but <laughs> Oh, you, 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 you were on the show. I was on show. one. I was like, on okay. one, yeah. It's um, on YouTube in case everyone wants YouTube. to see it. It's on YouTube. I'll send everyone the link personally. Um, my partner uh, actually had the whole season set to record. Once he found out that we were making an episode, he's like, let's record all season. And, um, you know, it came out, and I, and we were in iCast, and I was like, oh, no. You know, we're going to miss it. And... um he texts me. He's like, "Hey, I got your episode recorded." And I was like, "Yes." Yeah. So we had like a watch party over at his house and everything, and you know, he was like, "Man, he's like, I couldn't help but watch it, you know." So I didn't wait for you, and he's like, "Oh man, you're gonna love it, George. Did you write and everything?" Yeah, it was really, really, really great. So I was pretty, pretty stoked on it. So you're in season two now. Yeah. Are you able to talk about what episodes you have coming up or any kind of guests you have coming on? Yeah, really. We're just getting started. I did um, I did one episode so far with uh, Rufus Wakeman. He's yeah. a resident up there and he's very well known, in, at least in our fishing community, but he's got a lot of accolades as far as, you know, world records uh, for billfish. He travels all around the world. And he's just got a great story. He's, he's such a good guy. He just loves fishing. He's a... He's, uh, it was funny talking to him and learning his family history. He's an heir to John Deere. He's like his great, great, great grandfather was John Deere. And yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You told me that for the first time. I yeah. I've known Rufus for years and I never knew that. Yeah. So yeah. I think that kind of helps afford him the ability to do, do a little bit of what he does. But he's just, he's the kind of guy that you just would never know it. You know, he has mm-hmm. the ability to travel all around the world and, and to chase these wonderful game fish, but he's not braggadocious he doesn't flaunt it he just he's just such a such a good guy that's just eaten up with fishing so we were able to spend a a couple days together tell his story and then um and then we did more of a technical show of inshore up by us during the mullet run on uh, topwater show Mm -hmm. for snook which you know we're we're trying to tell stories um but we're kind of I kind of stick to the either we're, we're talking about a personality which your show was more we're talking about a technique you know, a certain way to, to target a certain species or um, maybe a destination focused as well. So we kind of try to go around those three things is really what the show has been based on. So mm-hmm. we just had those two episodes done. I'm going to the Keys in a couple of weeks. I have do a couple of shows in Louisiana, I'm going back to Guatemala. I'm going to go to the Mayan ruins in, in Guatemala mm-hmm. and do a couple episodes there and kind of really get into the culture again, like we did last season. But we're still looking, you know, that's, you know, five or six for 12 that we're going to do. So mm-hmm. I'm always looking for guest host stories to tell. You know, people don't, don't realize like, oh, they could be on the show, but you know, it's, everybody has their own story. Yeah. Everybody has a unique story. Not often, you know, do you think it's good enough for other people to want to hear, but you know, you yourself, you know, we can, I think, uh, I think everybody has something to tell. I why think you fish. do a really great job of getting below the surface of people. Um, that's the one thing I've noticed about this show in particular. And um, that's the most intriguing part to me um, is that your ability to kind of get all the layers of what's going on there, you know, because you, you, you feel it when you're out on the water, you know, you don't just think about I'm hunting. I'm, we're going to get a fish, you know, shoot, see scores. 
You know, that's not, there's more to it than that. You know, it's about how you feel that day. It's about, yeah, maybe what you want to accomplish, but it also could be like the weeks that led up to this trip were maybe not easy weeks and man, I really needed this day. And what does that mean? And, you know, it could be anything, you yeah. know, so it's the emotion behind it all. Um, you mentioned that, that mullet run, uh, John here in the corner, he, uh, we call him John, John in the corner. So he, he, he hit the mullet run. Uh, that was the last week or the week before. Yeah. I've been hitting it for a while. It kind of slowed down now, but I went a couple of times last week, got a couple of nice snook out here in Fort Lauderdale. He's a snook master. He doesn't like, he calls me a snook master. It's funny. It really, it really never kicked off by us. And, uh, I saw some of uh, Jeff Maggio's posts and Lunker Dog mm-hmm. stuff talking about the it wasn't a happy bait year. He called right. it, you know. Yeah. He's, he's down on the yeah. on, down on the mullet run, and I think that has something to do with the storms. And we had such dirty water up by us after the hurricane came through that I think a lot of that bait was actually offshore and came around the beaches rather yeah. than coming down the beach. The water was so dirty by us, mm. so churned up, and you couldn't even see him in the river. It was so dirty. Yeah. So I just. Now I'm laid up during the right during. Usually this is the height of it for us. Last couple of weeks of September, the first couple of weeks of October is always when Stewart's going off. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, with this surgery that I just had, I'm kind of laid up during during the, the prime time. But you it know, shut it's, off though. I mean, so it's funny though. I mean, it's not my favorite time to fish. People really? talk about it. And, oh, it, to me, it's it's can be an extremely difficult time to fish, an extremely frustrating time. You mm-hmm. have millions of baits in the water, and you're trying to get your one bait eaten. Yeah, I mean, it's great to go out and see it and to partake in it. It's National Geographic type of stuff, and stuff's getting eaten all around you. But as far as catching wise, it can be extremely yeah. tough. Yeah, especially the right fish. You only have a you know maybe a couple chances throughout the season to get one. Because, yeah. like you said, there's so many baits that they're trying to pick. You need to get yours in the right place at the right time. Yeah. Yep. So we, we we did this show up there by us with, you know, just topwater plugs, and we'll just hit high percentage areas. We just hit seawalls right. or just ambush points. And it's just going from spot to spot to spot. You know, and these are places that these snook are just sitting and waiting for schools of mullet to come by. So if you can be in that right, and most of the show was shot like the first hour after sunrise and an hour before sunset. It was just this, this you know, magic hour that we talk about when things mm-hmm. go off, that the bait would show up and it just go crazy. Snook would be cartwheeling out of the water. And, uh, you know, that's, we have a lot of good locations in Stewart to target these snook. You know, a lot of seawalls and a lot of ambush points. And we have the St. Lucie River, the Indian River. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why we have the best snook fishing, I think, in the state of Florida is up there by us. As yeah. far as numbers and quantity and quality, it's it's an incredible fishery. I don't have a lot of experience in that area. I wanted to start fishing up there more because I, I love inshore. Um, I just don't do it nearly enough. Uh, I guess I got um, a friend of mine um, is uh, Chris Meek, an excellent snook fisherman. <clears throat> supposed to, We were supposed to go up to Jupiter. Uh, pretty soon he's got a lot of good spots in there too but up as far as jensen and Stewart, i don't think i've really ever fished up that way yeah it's 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 right where you you know it's uh as far as the indian river stops right there so i would say that you know this is kind of right where the inshore the real in my mind the kind of inshore waters really start there is a loxahatchee in jupiter but as far as that saint lucie river you know that's the reason why we have the snook fishing that we do it's that deeper darker body of water that holds the heat better in the winter time that those snook just migrate up there and they can just sit back there in the winter time the water's typically four or five degrees warmer than the indian river and they can just sit down there on those muddy bottoms and just you know conserve energy there's bait form they don't have to do a lot um you know the water's warmer and they can 
you know, you can make it through those, <clears throat> make it through those worst winters, you know, and it just, those big females are up there. It's a mm-hmm. great fishery. So how is the water quality right now? Let me compare. I mean, obviously a couple of years ago, not so great, but how's it doing now? It's a lot better. It's yeah. a lot better. You know, um, the water's obviously murky now because of the storms and churned up. But as far as the freshwater discharges and the quality and the, the cyanobacteria and the algae, algae blooms that we've had in the past, this year was far better. You know, we went into the wet season at a much lower level of Lake Okeechobee. And I think that's going to be a, a, more of a long-term solution. You know, if we can go in to the summer at 12 feet or 13 feet or 11 feet or 10 feet, you know, you have more storage, you know, storage ability on Lake Okeechobee rather than going in at 14. And as soon as it rains, you got to dump. So we didn't have a super wet summer, but we had more storage capabilities and we had, you know, we had some local runoff out of, uh, out of our, our canal, but we didn't have anything out of Lake Okeechobee, which was important for us. I mean, we we have a, a a saltwater estuary. People think that, oh, it's a, St. Lucie River is not a river. St. Lucie River is a is a, really a tidal lagoon and an estuary that just is dictated. The salinity is dictated by the amount of runoff. It can handle uh, you know fresh water for twenty days, thirty days, but once you get past that certain threshold, you know the oysters die, the bait leaves, and everything begins to suffer. And for so many years in this past decade that we've had just rainy seasons and discharges and we just suffered so bad. And it's just nice that this year the water was clean. You know, people can get out in the, on the weekends and get to the sandbar. And, and, and not only for me, you know, for the fishing, but also economically, locally, it's a huge impact, mm-hmm. huge impact. Every boat that goes out to the sandbar, I say this, you know, every boat that goes to the sandbar on the weekends buying fuel. Mm-hmm. And they're buying beer and they're buying ice and sandwiches and the families and then they're taking the boat out and the boat needs to be serviced. And, you know, it, it, it's it a makes tr- for a good community, oh, too. Yeah. Yeah. If people are, are you happy gonna do if you're not out there, yeah. you're going to be bumming around the land up to no good. Yeah. In a couple, couple of years, we've, the sandbars were empty. But this year, nice, clean water. People can get out. They can you know, take the kids out there and not be afraid of, you know, contracting some kind of, you know, f- rare infection. Yeah. And, Definitely happy to see uh, cleaner water. And I think, really, I think, I'm not very political, but I think DeSantis is doing a good job. Well, I was going to bring that up because I talk about him a lot on the show. It's actually probably like one of my dream guests, like to have like Governor DeSantis on because I really think, um, I don't know. I know I don't talk a lot of politics on the show. It's actually a policy really not to really get too far into it, but I think the guy's going to be president someday. Um, But, you know, he seems to really have taken – the bull by the horns, like right off the bat. Um, but I always love bringing it up to guys that are at ground level with this stuff, like yourself, that to tell me like the real take on it, like yeah. from your position, like, so you feel he's doing a good job. I mean, well, I think he's the first politician that did what he said he was going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he promised something during the campaign and I, I got behind him. Captains for clean water was behind him and I'm a part of that as well. And, um, he did. He he delivered on his promises. You know, he came in, he cleared out the South Florida Water Management District Board was completely revamped, and and uh, you know that that spoke accolades to me. That wow, this is like the first month this guy's cleaning house, and right. the t- tides have changed, and he continues to deliver on his promises. So you know, him and uh, Mast Mast is doing Brian his, Mast, Brian Mast, Mast. Yep. yep. So he's local to Stewart as well, and he has a, obviously a huge vested interest. I think he lives actually on the St. Lucie River there by us. 
So he's doing a wonderful job, always introducing bills that are that are um, you know helping with uh, you know the river and estuaries. Yeah, we had. Um, I mean, I know that it was really a big spotlight on that situation a couple of years ago with the big blooms and you know with social media, and then it was all over the news. And it's hard not to ignore it at when it gets like that. I just hope that people don't forget. Yeah, you know, and they just we stay vigilant and we stay consistent on the whole thing because Florida is um, compared to previous years, we're in pretty good um, shape right now. Um, you know, our education system, I think could be a lot better. I won't even want to say a little better. I think it could be a lot better, but regarding everything else, like economically speaking, we're doing better than we have, you know, in previous years. Um, and I think that is a lot to do with the leadership like Brian Mast and, and governor DeSantis right now. Um, so I don't think, I think the way he's handling the water situation um, is not done in a way to where it's going to be, you know, just dumping a lot of money at it, dumping a lot of money at it and raising taxes. You know what I mean? He's doing it, I think, in a smart and sensible economical way. Yeah, I think he's it has that scientific approach now where before there was so many vested interests. You know, I think sugar was so vested, you mm-hmm. know, on, on these boards and agriculture had such a say where – you know, patients, uh, not patients, but uh, people's safety should come first. You know, mm-hmm. that's first and foremost should be the safety of, of, of the, the residents of Florida. And that, everything has to go below that. And I think agriculture was put before anything else. You know, their, their ability to pull water off of Lake Okeechobee was superior to what harmful effects it had at keeping it at a high level. So I think we're kind of you know, reorganizing how we think about what the priorities are, restructuring that. And I think it's going to take a while, but I mean, like you said, you need to stay aware, active on social media people. But I think that's was the difference now. I think without social media, this never would have been brought to the attention. We never would have known how bad things were. People were posting daily. Oh, look, my backyard, this or that. You need that. Um, so as long as we stay vigilant, and I, and I really think Captains for Clean Water is doing a great job. You know, they're very active politically. Um, just people need to stay involved. Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. I mean, obviously, this is a big issue for us here at the studio. I mean, the name of the show is Connected by Water. Without clean water and healthy water, I mean, we would be nothing either. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that that's kind of like, you know, <clears throat> we bring on a lot of um, charitable, you know, organizations and, um, you know, people, different people. We want everyone to be able to have their voice. Uh, we brought on, you know, freedom fighter outdoors to talk about taking the veterans, fishermen. Uh, we brought on fishing for muscular dystrophy, um, to talk about everything that they're doing to raise awareness. Um, and you know, just a variety of, if we talk about special Olympics and just a lot, you know, a different organizations, we like to promote all that people that are actually doing very good in the community. But if we have a cause here, it's clean water. Yeah. Like that's, that's the biggest issue for us because without clean water, that's because Florida is water. It's all water. It's all about water. Our entire business is based around that water and what it creates and what it produces, be it, you know, fish, be it surfing, be it, you know, paddle boarding or, you know, just an industry behind it. So yeah, um, I'm really glad to have you on here to, to be able to kind of put some insight to that. So um, it's more than just sending it South though, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, there's so many different, you know, so many different pieces, the components of this whole this whole thing that's I think's been screwed up over hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the whole plumbing s- situation has been been messed up, and you know, we do have to send the water. It it I, to me, it was always very simple that our estuary is dying because it's too fresh. 
and Florida Bay is dying because it's too salty. You know, so they're not getting the water. We are getting the water. You know, to me, it was like, okay, you know, that's it's pretty self-explanatory here, and right. there's something that stands in the way. I've always thought in my mind, you know, why wouldn't Big Sugar just step up to the plate and say, hey, here's so many thousand acres. Let's make this right. Let's mm-hmm. make a let's make a flowway. Let's make whatever you know. Amicable. Yeah. Why yeah. not? Just be a part of the, the solution rather than digging your heels in. But I think they've been so powerful for so long that they just felt like they didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. There's an episode that we did with Rufus. Rufus went to to school with the Fanjules, so the, the the brothers. He went to school with them, and he you know he he can actually call them on the phone. And he's he's personally affected as well because he has a home right on the St. Lucie River, right by the Roosevelt Bridge, right where all the algal blooms wash up on that was right in his backyard and he's got river palms fish camp so he was personally affected and he knows this family you know the the sugar family so it was interesting to hear his take on but he's very active in the cca which is you Mm -hmm. know which is doing their part it's a great organization yeah they're doing we we get involved with them as well yeah so uh he went up to dc didn't he yeah i think he was part of it see it was it's funny story about rufus right a lot of funny stories about rufus but because um, he's very, like you said, before, salt of the earth. You know what I mean? You, you, there's no, you know what you're getting with him. Yeah. Like every single time. So he calls me up on a mon- the Monday. He's supposed to be on the podcast like a couple weeks ago. Called me. He's like, oh, I'm not going to be able to make your podcast. I go, why? He goes, well, George asked me to be on the show. Oh, yeah, I said, you oh. told me. I, I, I go, yeah, I'd skip the podcast too if I were you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. He so did like, oh, I'll that. come back on another time. I said, don't worry about it. Just go on the show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was funny. So I hope you guys caught a lot of fish, George. We, we uh, it was funny. The episode that we filmed, we went. Uh, it was during what was it? The hurricane after Dorian, one that came close by. I thought I don't know which one it was, but Alberto. Uh, yes. Yeah. The seas were giant. Mm-hmm. Giant. I, mean, I don't think I've ever been at a St. Lucie Inlet with as rough as it was. I mean, we measured on the depth sounder when we got offshore that fourteen foot swells from top to bottom, and. Uh, we 14 to, foot? 14 foot. We got to the inlet. In your bay boat? In the Camus, yeah. Really? And we got to the inlet, and we looked, and it was just like breaking straight across. We're like, oh, is this, yeah, is this a good idea? And, <laughs> it was, it, and I sat there, and I had to throw it in reverse and wait on it and wait on it and wait on it. And we finally we timed to set, and and we went, and it was uh, it was some of the biggest you charged stuff. at it, huh? Oh, man, we full charged. <laughs> and I could tell Rufus is like, oh, he was a little nervous, especially yeah. about coming in. You know, we timed it right to where – we were going to come in on a slack tide rather than a falling tide. It yeah. just would have been treacherous. But it wasn't unsafe, but it was definitely sporty. Um, but it was fun to be out there with him and that. The fishing was a little tough. We caught some dolphin. We caught some bayonetas and some sharks. But uh, we had a good time. He didn't bust out the fly rod, did he? He didn't. He didn't. It was a little rough. Yeah. I think it would have had a, I was gonna a little say, tough yeah, time. It would have been a little t- tough yeah. on a day like that. But again, yeah. it wasn't. it's not about the fish. I mean, we— Right. We caught some fish, but we got to tell the story about Rufus. I think people will enjoy it. And we went to his house and sat around. He's got a wonderful house and on the river. And he's such a historian about, you know, fishing reels and fishing. Just so he knows so much and he's a collector. And it's just fun to sit there and pick his brain. Yeah, he's um he's an interesting cat. I mean, I I love him to death. You can't, I mean, I think anybody that meets Rufus can't help but but love him. But, yeah. So how is the... uh, you're with the Camus now. Yes. Right? And yes. So, and from everything I've seen you post up about it, you're just in love with it. Yeah. So, you know, I was a big supporter of Triton Boats because of Earl Benz. He was the founder of Triton. 
Um, and I became friends with him, I don't know, a dozen years ago. And he supported real-time Florida sportsmen the whole time. And I ran a Triton. Um, but he, Johnny Morris took over for Bass, with Bass Pro and they acquired Triton. Um, Earl stayed on as chairman for years. And then uh, there was a separation there last year. And I thought Earl was going to retire. And he actually retired for about a month and realized that that wasn't, well, yeah, he, he could, bored. yeah, he could not <laughs> be retired. So, um, you know, he partnered up, uh, he got some, some guys, he, he partnered with Michael Peters, uh, the Naval architect, and they just went full, full bore into a, a new product and Camus boats was, is getting built in the, they're in the same office when they used to build Triton up, up in Tennessee. They, so that's where they're at Tennessee. Yeah. They're up in Tennessee. And they're building a great product. They're building bay boats now, or hybrids, we should call them, 26, 28-foot hybrids. You have the 26, right? I do. I have the 26, but they actually started my 28 build this week. So I have a 28 hybrid coming. Okay, so um, when you're not using the 26, I'll just... <laughs> well, as soon as the 28 comes, the 26 will be going back. The 26 is actually just kind of a loner that I've okay. been using to film with. But Gotcha. It's a double-step bottom, you know, more of a hybrid, family-oriented boat that just kind of does everything well. Looks gorgeous. Yeah, it's a pretty boat. It has pretty lines and a T top on there at this time. Yeah, and yeah. actually the twenty eight has a stand through tower and a half tower. So oh, I'm nice. excited about that. Give me a little more height. You know, mm -hmm. I would love to be up there when we're sail fishing and just to see those fish come in like they do. Um, yep. You know, I think it's going to be super cool. So I'm excited about that build. We're going to start posting some stuff socially on the build and kind of follow that build for the next six weeks or so. So mm -hmm. I'm excited about that. I'm just excited to get that new boat. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've been taking a look at it and, you know, just mouthwater and dreaming about it. It's, it's kind of a nice one. It really is, though. I mean, just looking at the lines of it, because I've been on the Triton with you, obviously. Um, but I remember you got that shortly after. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it just looks really good. When I heard the whole backstory behind the boat company, and I, I just was like, wow, that's going to be one of those. It's just kind of going to skip a bunch of levels of other you know, new manufactured boats, I think, right off the bat, just because of who's making it. Yeah, it's such a heritage in the, in the industry, you know, such a history, such a strong dealer network from, from the past that, uh, you know, he, he, he got to start racing with Mercury. So it was interesting. I went up to Fond du Lac to the Mercury plant. They had a, a meeting of ambassadors. We went up there. And they have like a history uh, wall uh, hallway that tells the history of Mercury. And there was imagery up there of, of Earl Benz, you know, in his racing days. Back, oh, very Yeah, cool. back in yeah. the 60s. And it was it was pretty wild to see. So he has that that lineage of of, of, of proven, you know, built boat building. And it, like you said, he's he's skipping in front of a, a lot of people by just having that, that history in the industry. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. So um, – with your hand, um, you know, I want to talk about something else real quick. I mean, I always find it interesting um, to where, you know, being in this industry is one thing, but breaking into the industry is another thing, right? So, I mean, we've both been kind of just fishermen for our whole lives, but, you know, when you take that to the serious level, um, and you, you just start kind of just carving your own path in this business. I mean, it could, it could be a very difficult thing, but you've been filming for a while now. What was the first thing? I always wonder this too, about people that have their own shows. Like what bug enters your mind? That's just like, I want to start my own TV show. Cause I know a bug entered my mind. When we want to start our own podcast, but this is nothing like the, the operation that you got going on. You have been had going on for years. Yeah. Yeah. So what like, 
I mean, what is it that makes you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to film this show and then it's going to be a great success and we're going to be, you know. Well, it's funny. <clears throat> I grew up fishing. Um, that's all I loved to do growing yeah. up. I, mean, I remember that's what I did. But uh, as I got older and I started thinking about a career, it was just, it wasn't the direction I wanted to go. I thought, I just didn't think that it was the right thing for me at the time. And it had some, you know, some, some, some negative connotations that I was, I was worried about. So I, I became an emergency room nurse. I worked at the hospital and it afforded me the ability to fish and fish a bunch because three days a week was full time. So I could fish four days a week. And I started guiding. I got my captain's license and started guiding. And then I was guest host on a bunch of shows because Stewart's a wonderful destination. And when you have a good destination, you have people that want to travel there and, and showcase it. So I was just fortunate enough to be a guest host on a bunch of different shows. But at the same time, I was fortunate enough to have Florida Sportsman Magazine based right in Stewart. And I had developed a relationship with those guys. Oh, they were based out of there. Yeah, they're the based in Stewart. So Blair Wickstrom, the publisher, the, and his father was the founder of Florida Sportsman, uh, had an idea of creating a web-based show. So this is when the, f the forums were big, and, you know, this is really before social media was just kind of just starting to go. Um, so Kevin, who's Colorblind Media now, my producer, he was an intern at the magazine, and he was doing their web or something. And he went and ended up going out on a shoot with them, and he did camera work. But I think they quickly realized his capabilities was far superior on the camera side of it. You know, mm -hmm. he he had just had that knack for it. So he had done some stuff, I think, with Florida Sportsman Television or Shallow Water Angler or whatever it was. That was when that, those shows were kind of going to the wayside. Blair had this idea of creating this web-based show of real-time Florida Sportsman. So the first year, he, he, he came to me and asked me and said, listen, is this something you want to do? This would be you and Kevin. And, and the first year was just Kevin and I jumping in the truck, contacting Florida Sportsman Forum members who were posting reports on the forums. And we would travel to their destination, highlight their fishery, and tell a story. And it was just web-based. It, it could be 10 minutes, it could be 15 minutes, and really had no, you know, it was very free. You didn't have to worry about commercial breaks. You didn't have to worry about this or that. or you know. So it was, it was a year of that. And I think it was almost a year and a half of that. And then we were, I think the magazine was acquired by the network, Cronky Sports Entertainment, or maybe it was Prime Media at the time, but we had, uh, we had the Sportsman Channel, same company that owns the Sportsman Channel, and they were looking for content. So they decided to move the show from the web to national television. And that was, I just, I remember that day when they called me and told me, it was like, oh my God, because I grew up watching Flip Pallet. I grew up, yeah, you right. know, Jose Wahebi, these were my idols. And all of a sudden now I have the ability to do, you know, to be in the same situation. So it was somewhat surreal. And it was a matter, I think, just being in the right place at the right time, really more than anything. I tell people all the time, I'm not a great fisherman. I don't ever, oh, it's because my fishing problem. No, I don't, I don't think I I'm, disagree. No, I mean, I, I really don't think there's much better fishermen out there than me. But I think I worked hard. I think I, you know, I think I tell my kids this all the time. You want something bad enough, you go after it. You want to do something bad enough, you make a living at it. If you love something, you can make a living at it, no matter what it is. If you're good at it, you want it more than anybody else, you can make a living at it. And I think just at the time was right for me that I wanted it more than anybody else. And I just would just kind of go after it. And it just worked out. Kevin and I's relationship worked out well. And I think just the approach that we had, and it was funny, right before Jose died, I met him at the IGFA Hall of Fame at some Mercury event. And I went up to him. And uh, this was just a couple months before he died. It was the first time I met him. I went up to him. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm starting this fishing show. And, 
you know, what advice could you give me? And he was nice enough to say, you know, he, he, he talked to me, but then he messaged me on Instagram or on Facebook or something afterwards. And he said, listen, the best advice I can give to you is just stay true to who you are. Don't change for anybody. Just be who you are. They're going to like you or they're not. And uh, that meant a lot to me that I just said, listen, you know, I think that's kind of the theme that we've carried through. Like, don't fake it. You know, things don't always happen the way you want. I'm not perfect. We, we, you, ha you have to be able to make fun of yourself. I think we've done a good job of that. Just staying, tr just staying real. You know, mm -hmm. Jeff Maggio talks about that real guys and just, yeah. just being real. Just it's, it's, it is what it is. It's just fishing. I'm not better than anybody else. We're just telling a story. I'm fortunate enough to do the job that I do um, and meet great people and go to great places, but don't ever take it for granted either. So I think that's kind of just stay humble and stay real and don't fake it. I get all warm and fuzzy when I hear you say talk like that. <laughs> no, I mean that because that's, I mean, we have a very similar mindset from that, um, that respect, because I think we've even said that uh, together before, like, you know, you just gotta really <clears throat> just be cool and do what you do and let the chips fall. I mean, you, you know, the, this is, there is no piece of paper on this table. There is no script. There is no, I mean, it's easy when I already know you, but yeah, you, you know, it's like the, there's no other way to be in my mind. I mean, that's why I quit my day job of 17 years and just, just cause I just wanted to paint fish. I mean, it just doesn't really get any more complicated than that. Um, now it does get more complicated than that on a daily basis, but I think weathering that storm with that kind of mindset yeah. is really what helps me at least kind of get through it all because you can meet some really crappy people along the way that want to take advantage of you or, you know, see you know, your talent or, your motivation and just want to just, you know, I don't want to say ride the coattails, but maybe just take it from you or use you for a little while and yeah. just you know, scrap you and throw you away. And, you know, and I've had that happen to me. Um, but, you know, enough actually enough times to really be discouraging to actually even still do this, yeah. you know, but, um, you know, it's people, people like you um, and uh, a, a, a lot of other nice people along the way that are there for support. And I think if you put your energy into those people, um, that's the support system yeah. that, that you need is just to, to pick and choose the right people. You well, know, it's and a small industry. It's a yeah. very, it, it seems big, but it's a very small industry. You never want to burn a bridge in this industry. And you, in the relationships are so important. I, I, I really try to focus on that. And that was part of the reason why, you know, I spent seven or eight years with real-time Florida sportsmen. And it was just time for me to go out. I thought, I felt as if I had the relationships and I, it was, it was time that I could do it. And I mean, I don't know if it's going to be a hundred percent successful. I don't know where I'll be a couple of years from now, but I, now I feel like I'm going to go out on my own terms. Like we're going to, we're going to try this. We're going to do this. Um, and I can, I can go to the sponsors and I can, I can deliver on what I say. I don't have somebody, a, a middleman. If I, mm -hmm. if I sit across from you at the table at ICAST this year and say, I'm going to deliver X, Y, and Z, you know that I'm going to meet you again next year and I'm going to have to answer if I don't deliver X, Y, and Z. So I take that very personal. I try to, try to you know, under promise and over deliver for mm -hmm. everything that we do. Yeah. And it's tough because, you know, we're producing a product, but obviously it's, Without the sponsors, we couldn't do what we do. And we are not the type that likes to force feed people product like or delivery message. Mm -hmm. And it can be a challenge sometimes to get that message across without, you know, just, I don't know. We're just trying to do it more in an organic way. Like 
I talk about this all the time. Like uh, I have sponsors, but yes, I endorse them. They're it's they're true to my brands. It's the same brands that that you and I both wear. Just I'm I'm these people. We have parallel thoughts, and the companies just it just works well together. And I think I had the ability to have great partners, great sponsors, and uh, it makes it a lot easier to do what we do. But it's it's the relationships. It's you know yeah. that's it's developing those relationships with those sponsors and doing what you're saying you're going to do and and helping them out while they help you out. It's a it's a two way street. Everything that we do, I think, is is give or take. And you know, you want to help somebody just as much as they want to help you. And I think if we can kind of keep that same mindset, you know, it's. I mean, I I, I remember in the very beginning, I approached you about just creating a logo for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd seen your work and I was highly impressed with what you did. And you know, I, I was you know I was a big fan of yours. And I just said, hey, can you know. That was funny that just, that's how it all started. I needed a logo. Yeah, No, for sure. I mean, it's, um, the organic relationships are the best ones, you know, there's no doubt about it and they're meaningful. Um, I'm with you. I mean, it's really, we wouldn't be where we are today without, um, you know, the, the people that we've grown with along the way, Yeah. you know, I mean, it's just, um, there's, there's no other way to say that. Yeah. You can't do it on your own. You can't, you can't. And I'm not, uh, I, I'm I'm not rich at all. I don't financially back this myself and do it for an ego thing. I mean, I do it to pay the pay the mortgage. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to leave something for my children. You know, I want them to be proud. I think the the proudest moment that I've ever had is, you know, dropping my kids off at school and their friends think I'm cool. Yeah. My kids don't think I'm cool. They're like, oh yeah, my dad fishes, right. but their friends think I'm cool mm-hmm. and. The, I don't think it means a lot to him now, but I, I think later on, because I that's where I would have wanted to been when I was a kid. You know, I want yeah. my friends proud of my my dad. So it's like, oh, wow, you know. So I I, I want to leave that for them. I want to leave something behind that says, oh, this is what my dad did. He made a difference, and, he you know, people enjoyed watching the show, and I think we're on the right track. Yeah, well, you are cool, George. So it's <laughs> My son know. thinks you're cool. I told I told Sean, I'm like, oh, yeah, Captain George is coming on the show today. Oh, Captain George is coming on. Can I come in? I go, no, buddy. It's <laughs> you stay home. I'll, I'll show you the video. <laughs> it's funny. We have a lot of kids that love the show, and you know that's that's awesome because that's the next generation. You know, yeah. they're not the ones buying the rods and reels and you know and the boats and the motors right now, but they're the ones that are going to be. Mm-hmm. And you get them, you know, loyal to a brand early on, and it's amazing. They'll you know they'll follow you and they'll they'll use what you use, and and really that's that's it's, it's pretty incredible. Yeah, that that's the funnest part. I you know we get a lot of that too, especially you know with the huge bridge project that just happened. Like at least you know re- recently, with like a lot of the kids like, oh, you're the one that painted that bridge, and you know it's like, you know, yeah, buddy, that's me. You it's know? cool, but yeah, it's cool. So. Um, so you just, I, I have a question for you about, um, just switching gears on you here, about jujitsu belts, right? Because you just got your fourth stripe, mm-hmm. which obviously is on pause at the moment. Well, I went last night, but I just... You did? Yeah, I just helped helped uh, do a little teaching and watching. Not rolling around at all? No, no rolling right no? now. I'll be out for about a month. A month, yeah. Um, you're a blue belt? Yeah. So where is that on the scale of it all? So it goes white, blue, um, purple, brown, black. White, blue, white, blue, blue purple, purple, brown, brown black. black. Yeah, in okay. jiu-jitsu, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. jiu-jitsu, that's what it goes. Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, so usually white and blue are kind of usually your longest belts, or they can be some of your longest belts. So blue is usually one of your longest belts. 
So I've okay. been training for about uh, two and a half years. But I go a bunch. I mean, I'll go five days a week. You go that often? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I'm addicted. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I it's didn't funny. know you went. I thought, they, you know, that's the funny thing. I said, well, Liz, look, he got another stripe on his belt. Right? And she's like, oh, I didn't know he was still doing that. I'm like, yeah, of course he's still doing it. She's like, oh, you know, he's fished all the time. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe he just goes every now and then. But you're going five days a week? Yeah, I go just about every night. And then they'll have two classes a night, and I'll go to two classes. You still go to that Jupiter place? No, I changed. And we got um, a future school of of jiu-jitsu in Port St. Lucie. Wonderful, wonderful. I can't speak highly enough of this place that I go to in Port St. Lucie. The family, uh, the Asiofeles, just a Brazilian black belt. And his son, Igor, they're just incredible instructors and just found a wonderful atmosphere where the learning is just incredible. And it, it's something totally different than fishing. Right. Something totally different that challenges you. It challenges your mind. It challenges your body. And it helps kind of level you. Like if you can be on a mat and have a 250-pound guy on top of you trying to kill you and you can stay calm, I think it helps you in life just deal with things. It's just amazing. And, and you see that evolution in the beginning when you're a white belt and you want to die. You're, you know, you want to tap out just because you're short of breath because you're so nervous. And But over time, you just you see the black belts. No matter what situation they're in, they're just calm. They're not even short of breath. They're just – so it's, I'm trying to let it be a lesson in life for me. Uh-huh. Calming down, relaxing. Yeah. But I, I truly enjoyed it. It's so much fun. I just it's and it's something totally different than fishing. The last thing I want to do when I'm off is go fish. And I, I don't mean to make that sound bad about no, fishing. It's true. Are you kidding it's, me? The yeah. last thing I want to do when I get home is draw a picture. Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me? It's the last thing I want to do. Don't do not put a pencil in my hand. Do not no. Especially after the three sixty five project. I don't think I drew for like a month. Yeah. I just mean take time off. Yeah. I mean when that one was over. Forget it. Now yeah. I just it's uh, it's funny. Everybody asks me more about jujitsu nowadays than they do fishing, so it's kind of it's kind of funny. I think it's just because it's something so, so different. I think a lot of people are intrigued by it. Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's something I think a lot of people want to do. It's almost like primal, you know, it's to get on a mat and, and to do that. But it's uh, it's been a journey and something I look forward to in many years to come. You know, I hope I'll be doing it from 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, it is primal. I mean, fishing and hunting is primal too, but, you know, that's the whole, you know, aspect of that. And I think that's, we're kind of, we've been asking a question on this show for a while, like, like, all right, so I want to get your take on this. There's a certain thing that, like a bond you get with someone once you've been fishing with them. And it's kind of a greater bond, I think, at least in my experiences, than you would get if you just like, went out with someone one night or, you know, you hung out with someone at a wedding or, you know, but that like, as far as like one time experiences go, or even if you like, you go to a football game with like three other guys and it's like, all right, cool. You don't bond with them like you do when you're out on the water for a day fishing. You know, because I can look at guys that I fished with once five years ago. And when that guy walks back in the room, I'm always like, Hey, what's up, man? You know what I mean? We had that day. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was cool. But I always wondered why that was, because what is it about fishing? Is it the power of the ocean? Is it the power of sea? And I think someone brought it up to me, because um, hunting's probably the same way. I'm not really a hunter, you know, I don't only just gator hunting, but um, they said, well, it's probably the primal nature of it, man to man, you know. And I said, well, that's a really good point. Yeah. You know, I mean, do, do you kind of feel that way, like when you when you're fishing? Now you fish with a lot more people than I do, because it's your job. Um, but do you find that you bond with the people like all yeah. every time or is it more fleeting for you? Well, no, I think, uh, I think it's different with some individuals though, too. I think 
people sometimes are into fishing for different reasons, you know, and, and if you find uh, probably your buddies are the ones that probably share the most common interests. I mean, I take a lot of clients that maybe sometimes just want to go out and have a good time, but definitely the ones like your friends that you go out with and those that you, you spend that time on the boat with, I, I, I do think it's primal. And I think it's, like you said, hunting, I, I don't have a huge experience in hunting. It's some, it's pretty limited, but it's the same exact feeling hunting, sitting in the woods is, it, it, to me as it is fishing. It's just that anticipation of wondering what's going to happen. And I think jiu-jitsu is the same exact way. It's almost like a chess game. You don't know what's going to happen. You're anticipating what's happening, but you're thinking, you know, you're constantly wondering what's, you know, and I, I've always had a very short attention span. I've always, you know, in school, I think I had like ADHD because I just couldn't focus because I'm just so... I get bored with something. I want to do something different. And to get on a boat and to share that with somebody, that same kind of, that same interest and that same, you know, wondering what's next and, you know, the, the primal hunting aspect of it, I, I, I'm sure that's, that's definitely something to do with it because, you know, millions of years ago, that's what we did. We ran out we to, did. yeah, we went out there and yeah. tried to, to gather meat together or fish or whatever it was. That's what we did. Yeah. I mean, and we, and they form communities yeah. around it, you know, they had tribes and, you know, and, you know, their own little cultures. And I think that's based upon that hunter gatherer aspect. Yeah. Unfortunately, I I'm don't get to the bottom of this. John. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I don't get to fish with my friends that much anymore. It's amazing. I don't really, yeah. I, I don't, I, I hate to say that my poor friends don't even, you know, they just beg me to take them fishing, but I spend so much time with the show or guiding that on the weekends or time off, you know, it's just, it's like you said, it's kind of the last thing you want to do. I mean, we'll spend some time in the Bahamas. We have close friends that we go to the Bahamas with every summer that we enjoy that experience to take the kids over there and stuff like that. I, I really, you know, I really enjoy, I really cherish those, those times. I just love the Bahamas and I love going over there and, and spending a week or two over there and doing that. Yeah, we don't, I mean, I don't ever paint for myself ever hardly. Now that's something I'm going to change in this new year um, because what I found is I get so, saturated and inundated into the studio and dealing with the projects and the, and the clients and, you know, and it's like, it's now to the point where I think it's affecting my creativity and that's not a good thing when you run an art studio. You might have to get back on the 365 project. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll do, I'll do a variation of something a little different, but uh, you see that bill in front of you is like empty. Yes. That's mine that I'm going to do for myself one day and it's been empty for like five years. When you get done with that one, you can do mine. Yeah. So but if it's tied to a job, I'll do it. That's the thing. You know what I mean? But if it's like just for me, I'm like, I find it very difficult to like just, oh, I'm going to sit and draw. Yeah. But I think in, in the new year, I'm going to have like mandatory sit and draw for me time. Yeah. And I think good things will come from that. It's funny because I don't mean to say this in a bad way. It's almost like... Um, you take it, you, you you take it for granted what you can do. Mm -hmm. I mean, like if I could draw, if I could paint that thing, I'd be on that thing right now. But you do it so often. It's the same thing with me. People, I, maybe I take the fishing for granted and the ability to get out there and spend time on the water. Mm -hmm. So when you can surround yourself with people that kind of make you realize that how good you have it and, and the the talents that you have and the abilities and the opportunities that you have, I think that that helps. That kind of refocuses you. You're like wow, you know, I'm 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 very fortunate to be where I'm at. I'm very fortunate to be able to pick up a paintbrush and, and paint on that, you know, and maybe that kind of inspires you more. Cause I know it does for me. Like I'll, um, another day on the water. Or, oh, wow. Look, there's a manatee or, Oh, look, yeah. there's a snook. Oh, great. But I, you just have to remember that this is new experience to a lot of people and 
to them, it's something so much bigger than it is to me. And I just can't take it for granted. Just like the show, you just can't take it for granted. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good point because, um, and I guess it comes down to also with, with what I do, um, you know, support and accolades. And you know, a lot of people can mistake that for, oh, it's feeding an ego. But I think really um, from an artist standpoint, it very well could be keeping you going. That could be the motivation that you need or the support that you needed that day to like kind of cement over all the doubts yeah, and just lock that down and be like, no, no, you're, this is what you're supposed to be doing. This is the path you're supposed to be taking or, you know, it is, you know, you are, you know, fortunate to be able to do this for a living. Okay. See, people do respond to it because if no one responded to art, I don't think there'd be a lot of art in the world. You know, because I, I think people would do it and get discouraged. Yeah. Like, wow, it must look like shit. I'm not going to do it anymore. It's probably a lot like a fishing show host because there's not there's not a lot of feedback. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you, you get some, but you I yearn for it. You know, I want to hear positive, negative. You want to hear from the sponsors or what they think or the, uh, the people that are watching your show. And a lot of times there's just the feedback's not there. And you're just kind of going along wondering – you know, do people enjoy what it. we're doing? It, yeah. yeah. You just, need it. Yeah, you we're want... experiencing it with this podcast. Yeah, and we're at episode seventeen, and um, you know, obviously our viewership could be higher. You know, but we're just starting out. Um, but a lot of things, you know, and you'll post it up on social media, and you're expecting this huge. Oh, it's awesome, Baba! It's great, just like we would if we were to post one of our paintings. But that's like an instant. Everyone sees the painting. Everything's great. Oh yeah, it looks great. Like, 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 like. But if you put up a well, people now gotta stop, take their time, go watch the episode. You know, it's a little effort yeah. on their part, and we're starting to navigate those waters and see more a little, maybe a little bit about your world, about you know what some of the things that you're dealing with. And, and I can attest, basically, I guess is my point to saying, yeah, this is a little bit different of an animal that we're used to dealing with because I'm trying to push it, push it, push it, and promote it, and it's like maybe a little slower than I expected yeah. it to be, but you know. Then every now and then someone will sweep in and be like, man, I watched that episode. That was awesome. I said, and I was like, really? Cool. Thank you. You know what I mean? That was, I thought it was a good episode too, but you know, I'm glad to hear other people, yeah. maybe a few people or at least those who watch it are responding well to it. And then I'll get an occasional text from a friend that, Hey, I watched everyone. I'm like, Oh wow. You're the one that watched everyone. That's cool. That's you're awesome. one of the 10. Yeah. Right, awesome. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a different animal. Yeah. You know, yeah. But it means a lot when people come in and show their support, like tr a tremendous amount, more than I think they, they realize, um, you know, because you appreciate it. And, and it's, a, it's a way to gauge what, you, you know, your work. Yeah, so, I think for us, for, you know, when we when we do these shows and then we have guest hosts like yourself or, you know, you know, I, I did one with Andy Mill, um, another personality show and. Cameron Kirkconnell, when they come to you and say, hey, that was the best show that I've, you know, some of these guys have been on multiple shows. That's the best show I've ever seen. Or, mm -hmm. you know, thank you so much. You, you, you know, even Jeff Maggio, Lunker Dog, you know, said that he's been on a ton of shows and nobody's ever told that story of, of, yeah. of who Lunker Dog is. You know, so that's that's rewarding to me to hear, you know, you speak nicely of it or Jeff or Cameron or these people saying, you know, that they – they were happy to be a part of it and uh, it turned out better than they thought it was going to turn out. Yeah. No. And I mean, it really, I mean, again, I don't want to bring up my episode again. No, well, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> no but the, the show as a whole, I mean, it's a, it's a work of art. You know what I mean? I wasn't, you know, and, and I've posted this many a times calling it that, and it really is. I mean, just from front to back, um, 
just right down to the color mapping of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's just been done really, really, really well. Yeah. Um, I think they have a just a, a different eye. And I think what's different, too, is we talk about connected by water is all my guys are 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 surfers. They're fishermen. Mm-hmm. They get it. You know, they, they love the water, you know, um, and I think. That helps. That helps when you're a cameraman out on the water to, to, to see things differently, know what to expect with, from a fish or just be a surfer, know what to expect from the water. And that, that makes a huge difference. And all my guys love the water, and I think it shows. And they want mm-hmm. to put out a high-quality product. They want their name on it. And, you know, they, they spend countless hours in the editing room making things look right and having just that right color, that light, right lug or whatever they call it, you know, just to make everything look perfect or sound perfect. So. Just fortunate that, you know, again, like surround yourself with great people and let those great people do what they do best. Yeah, it shows in the product. And we, we surround ourselves here like everyone here pretty much is living around the water. I mean, right, you know, John here is a great angler, fisherman, and even Vandy, it, you know, she's a tournament angler. You know, she fishes like every single sailfish tournament there is. I mean, you know, so it's cool, though, because when she talks to customers, you know, she knows exactly yeah. what they're looking for, what they're getting at, and she understands the complaint. Because, you know, she's had similar experiences with the type of clothing we wear or she'll understand that, yeah, okay, you know, that's not the type of fish that's supposed to go on that shirt or, you know, that fish is way out of proportion to that or, you know, she can judge those things. And, you know, right down the way John edits this show, you know, he can actually, you know, with with poignant effect, you know, put the right images and edit it the right way right to deliver it in quality product. So, yeah, it's cool. So what um what do you have in store like for unfathomed um like where do you see things going like do, have you thought that far ahead or are you just kind of like just dealing with like cuz I know you said you haven't even filled up the second season yet but I mean I is mean, that a tough question to ask you I probably need to do a better job of setting long-term goals I think okay. I think I'll do a good good enough job of that, and I think if you don't have them written down and focused on them, you kind of you're kind of just drifting along, and, and maybe that's where I've been for the first year or two. It was just getting that first year done, which was so important to me, you mm-hmm. know, proving to myself that we could do it. You know, it's such a different animal to own a show rather than just host a show. Eight years I spent hosting Real Time Florida Sportsman. I didn't have to deal with any of the the backside of it. You know, I didn't have to deal with contracts and collecting money and paying for airtime and paying for production costs. So now that I have that first year under my belt, you know, I, f- I feel much more comfortable about it. I think we've done a, a good job delivering to the network what we said we're going to deliver, and we have a great airtime coming up in 2020. We have like a 9.30 airtime on Sunday mornings oh, for nice. the Sports, Sportsman's Channel, which is a huge improvement for us, and they were fortunate enough to give us that, and I think that kind of speaks – speaks to what we've done. So yeah, I was going to say, there you go, that there's a re- yeah. there's your response right there. Yeah. So that it's getting more and more received. And just, I think it's about just, you know, you have to stay consistent. You have to keep putting a quality product out there and just keep delivering. But this industry is so hard. The, 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 the pie is getting divided up amongst so many different people now where back in the day there was a couple television shows and now there's hundreds of shows and there's hundreds of internet people and hundreds of Instagram stars and, I'm not taking anything away from those people, but 
that dollar has gotten divided up so much smaller. So really, I mean, what we're trying to go, you know, more towards that non-endemic side of it, that, you know, just something not so much in the fisting industry. Because really, I think our show is a little bit different than other shows. I think we're more of a lifestyle show. Correct. I think we're telling a story. So I think we can have the the Ford Motor Companies or the Geico's or a liquor company. I think we can we can speak to those people because that's our, that's our you know, that's our um, – our clientele, our viewers are those are those people. So we're trying to put a product out that the whole family can watch. Um, and I'm just trying to get great sponsors around us that help, you know, obviously help us get there. Yeah. So it's just a matter of now finding those non-endemics that can really kind of push us to the next level. And I think that's kind of where the future is, just the non-endemic side of it. Obviously, you still want the fishing stuff in there, the, the fishing sponsors, but to take it to that next level that really we're limited in production by production by budgetary constraints. You know, I obviously would love to go to these wonderful destinations and, and, and see all these great places. But at the end of the day that, you know, I got to put four guys on, a, on an airplane, mm-hmm. fly them somewhere, and that comes out of my pocket. And there's just there's just always not the dollars there to do that. So it's 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 I just want to continue to grow it and have more budget to do cool things and go to cool places and tell cool stories. Yeah. No, and I think that's why it's, I think that's part of the reason why we get along so well is because I think we have a very similar um, scope on what we're trying to do where it's like, yeah, I paint fish, but we're trying to broaden that horizon a little bit and, um, you know, open up the doors to a little bit more of, um, you know, what'd you say the endemic Non-endemic, yeah, non-endemic stuff, yeah, Um, trying to open it up. And just, like, kind of open up and broaden, you know, what we do here and not just put yourself in such a box. Um, I think boxes are extremely dangerous. Um, You know, I think people, you rot there and you stay there forever. And, you know, I I like growing and I like ever-evolving. It's like you touched on it earlier uh, with the whole, like, ADHD thing where it's like, you know, you constantly want to keep rolling over and doing new things. And so we look at things in the very similar way um i really want to thank you for the support you've given us um the exposure that you've given this studio um it's been extremely valuable um and um appreciated um and you know like you said you know without people that you know help you along the way um you are definitely one of those people i appreciate everything you did for me i'm just as grateful to you for 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 doing stuff that you've done for me so it's kind of well it's truly our pleasure yeah um so right down even coming here today um so and if anybody has not had a chance to check out on unfathomed um it really is a remarkable program um it's definitely we like things that flip the industry on its ear um and this show definitely does that it takes a different approach and um really it's not solving problems but it is um creating solutions in this industry as far as to where things can be and what it can be what it can do um so um you know i appreciate you for putting out a really great product and just being who you are i appreciate you being a part of it yeah absolutely so we're going to close it out today we're going to say um what we always been saying lately like my buddy mike g says your ego is not your amigo just do your best let god do the rest don't forget to eat, drink, and be local. And remember that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we're always connected by water. George Gods, thank you very much. Thank you, brother. All right.